Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. You can see here President Trump. He's now live in Jacksonville, Florida, holding a rally. He said as he walked out there, and, and I haven't seen the crowd, but he said there's 30,000 people at a rally in Florida. Like I said earlier, I think the Supreme Court situation could create a landslide election victory for President Donald Trump. Obviously, we'll see. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to play a few minutes here of President Trump live. Then I want to come back to an interview that I did earlier today because I think it's so important for our nation that I want you to hear this interview, something that's coming up on Saturday that all of us can participate in to make a difference for the future of our nation. So first, let's go back out or let's just go out to Jacksonville, Florida and President Donald Trump. You, love. you know, they don't hear it because they watch the fake news at night and you don't get the, you don't get the true story. That's a lot of guys. That's a lot of people back there. That's a lot of fakers back there. Look at all those red lights. The red light means you're on live, you know. The problem with being on live, you make a little bit of a mistake and they say this was a horrible event. enough of that. Nah, it's very dishonest. It's, it's a shame. really does hurt our country. It's so fake. They don't show the protesters. They don't show it. You know, when you think that, like, cities are burning down and storefronts are being exploded, people are being killed, they would have you believe there's nothing happening. It's the most incredible thing. I don't even understand why. No matter where your philosophy is, no matter where you stand, why wouldn't you want to show the facts, show what's happening? And then we fix it. The Republican cities don't have trouble. The Republican states, they don't have trouble. You go to, you go to different states, they don't know. They find it, you know, some of these governors, friends of mine, and I have friends on both sides, but Republican governors, red states, they look like, how is a thing like this possible? Because they have law and order. They have law and order for this. I mean, that's what it is. For the entire summer, Joe Biden was silent as his far-left supporters assaulted police officers, harassed innocent Americans, and set fire to buildings. They were rioters. They were looters. They were anarchists. He called them peaceful protesters. He said they're peaceful protesters. Joe, they're not peaceful. Now, maybe he, believe, he may believe it. I mean, honestly, they may say they're peaceful. Okay, I'll say they're peaceful. I think he believes it. I actually do. It's the other ones that you have to worry about because they call the shots, not him. He's called for the ridiculous cutting of police funding, abolishing cash bail, if you can believe that, and the closing of our prisons. They want to close our prisons. That's a good idea. He even described law enforcement as the enemy. He said law enforcement is the enemy. Now, you know, I, am, I assume, I'll ask the fake news, has he taken it back, I assume, because he's taken everything back. He's taken anti-fracking back. He's taken pretty much everything back. But remember, it's the first thing they say. That's what they stick with. Biden's anti-police crusade must stop. As president, I will always stand with the heroes of law enforcement. That's why we're here. And I was honored to receive the endorsement of 48 sheriffs right here in Florida three weeks ago and all over the country law enforcement
from Texas, Arizona, Ohio, Oklahoma, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, New York's finest endorsed me. They've never endorsed a presidential candidate. The National Troopers Coalition, Chicago. How about that? Chicago police. Look like a man who's down in the polls. Does it sound like a man who's down in the polls? I mean, look, I, I don't want to get over our skis here, but it definitely does not look and sound like someone who's losing to me. Now, speaking of law enforcement, uh, I'm sure you are aware that Vice President Pence and Ivanka Trump in Minneapolis today and it was an event, Cops for Trumps. We all want law and order in this nation. So very, very important to understand and, and remind yourself of that. Now, the only reason I'm going to cut away from the president for a moment here, we're going to come back in and out of him tonight throughout the show, is the fact that most of America, most of the world, was kind of that 1984 win for the USA when they're like, do you believe in miracles? And when President Trump won, people were like, yeah, apparently I do believe in miracles. The fact that Donald Trump just beat... Hillary Clinton, and there are a lot of people throughout 2016, what they did to help President Trump win was a pretty simple thing, they would pray. And if you're not aware of this, there was a lot of people that were praying in 2016 for President Donald Trump to beat Hillary Clinton. So what's happening on Saturday, and I feel like this is so important now where our country is at, it's obvious that there is a huge, huge fissure split in our nation, and somehow we need to come back together. We need to reunite to be the United States of America. And in my opinion, I think one of the great ways to do that is through prayer. So coming up on Saturday, there's going to be a national day of global and national day of global prayer and repentance. And I had a chance earlier today to visit with one of the co-leaders of this event. It's Reverend Kevin Jessup. And we talked about you know, how important this is for our nation. And if you can't be in D.C., how you can participate. Reverend Jessup, welcome to Point of View. Uh, big event coming up, sounds like Friday night, Saturday as well, with a return, uh, a national and global day of prayer and repentance. Tell people what's happening in D.C. this weekend. Well, it's going to be an incredible gathering of faith leaders from all around the world, not only here in the United States, but globally. And the purpose of it is to come before a holy God in reverent fear and begin to uh, cry out to the Lord for his mercies to come in the midst of judgments that we find ourselves in. And God's heart is broken for the condition of man that we find ourselves in today. So we're believing for an outpouring of God's spirit as he hears the cries and the repentive uh, prayers and petitions that we as leaders come before him and do. You know, Second Chronicles 7.14 says of my people. And so we've gathered faith leaders from all around the globe. And we're coming to do one thing, and that's to cry out and to and to ask God to forgive us of our sins and uh, heal our land and restore us. And so we're at a real Nineveh moment in America, especially, uh, not to mention the globe. But, it, you know, when Jonah went into Nineveh, he said, you've got 40 days and then it's all over and we're there. Uh, it, and, and America it was the Titanic. The question is, when did we hit the iceberg and how long have we been taking on water? And ever since we've taken prayer and Bible reading out of the schools and legalized abortion and redefined marriage as a, as a, this is the greatest institution God ever gave us. In fact, the whole word of God is a story about a father looking for a virtuous bride for his son. And we've redefined the definition of marriage now to, to, uh, to a point where we don't even understand it anymore in America. And our young people are growing up in the midst of this. Yeah, you know, I love that you're calling it the prayer and repentance. Sometimes people hear repentance, and they may not quite like, well, what does that mean exactly? So for people out there are going, okay, 
give me a better idea of repentance, how would you explain it to him? Well, you know, uh, Revelation 3.2 in John's church to the letter at Sardis, he says, you know, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're actually dead. And uh, so revive that which remains, which means there's still a remnant. In every church across America, there's still a remnant. And even in the American Revolution, there was a remnant. Only 3% of the people actually fought in the battle. And so uh, he, he says, revive that which remains because my work is not done in you. And repent, or I'll come in an hour you know not of. So the church has to stand up and repent. You know, sometimes in the church in America, I wonder if we've got so steeped in our programs that we forgot the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he's left the building. And so we're inviting him back into our churches, our families, our schools. And we believe that the family altar has to be reestablished where men and women are seeking uh, the face of the Lord. They're engaging in the word of God. They're praying it. They're singing it. They're standing upon it. They're meditating upon it because the word of God is all we have. Without that, we have nothing. I don't want to make this a political conversation, but as we see what happened with the Pledge of Allegiance at a certain um, convention recently and things of that nature. I mean, how... I said this earlier this week, now with the SCOTUS fight in place, the things that are happening in our country, what's it going to take to bring us back together to mend this nation? Well, unfortunately, you know, the, the Lord uses uh, these things to drive us to repentance. And when it gets so bad that you realize without God, you have no hope. You know, I'm reminded of the Chilean miners as we watched uh, several years ago. I was on my couch at home watching these men stuck in this mile and a half down in the earth. They, they didn't know how to get out. They were in a hole, a pit that they couldn't get out of. And I could imagine the loss of hope that they had. And all of a sudden, the roof of that cave started to crumble. And through it came this little drill. And they were amazed when they heard a voice say, hey, we know you're down there and we're coming to get you out. And they had a ray of hope. And this is so much like the long arm of God's salvation, who he never stops pursuing us. And I watched this by that crazy man-made contraption. Each and every one of those men were saved and pulled out. And I stood up in my living room and cheered every time one of them came out of the top, thanking God that he didn't leave them down there. And this is what he did in my life. I was in a pit I couldn't get out of, and he saved me. And so this is, you know, uh, Chris, this, this is like the, uh, the shipwreck at Malta. In one moment, Paul went from being a captive to a captain. And he said, if you want to save all the souls on this breaking up ship, send your strong swimmers first and then have them turn around and look for those that are floundering in the sea and go save them. And I believe that America is a sinking ship, that Titanic and or the shipwreck at Malta. And so God is calling those of us that are strong swimmers, if you will, the faith community. And we're going to uplift the name of Jesus. We're going to stand upon the word of God. We're going to declare and decree his promises. And I believe we're about to see a wave of salvation mixed with the fire of his Holy Spirit that we've never seen before. You and mentioned uh, the ship is sinking. we got to get the strong swimmers out there first. And one of the things I've been talking about on my show since this COVID lockdown is where are the faith leaders? Why aren't faith leaders doing a more to stand up and speak out against government and stand with God rather than the government dictate to them how many people can be in their worship place? When, you know, those kind of, what, what's happening there that these people, and, and maybe it's because it just need, needs to be more about a personal relationship or are we putting too much faith in these leaders? What say you? 
No, I, I believe that there's still a remnant of people that are preaching the full counsel of God with compassion and tears. And so when our churches get maybe uh, so large that we get encroached in our programs and uh, we, we make people comfortable, we don't want to talk about the word repentance. It's offensive. We don't want to. In fact, we move the altars out of our churches. So I'm not preaching a burn and churn message. I'm preaching one of compassion and tears. You know, if your house is on fire, I'm going to call 911. I'm going to break a window. I'm going to scream up and down. I'm going to hopefully get you out of that burning house so you don't die. And it, so it is with sin. When we see sin, we, we're, we're, we're calling it out. We're saying this is, this is a burning house. Don't die in this. If I'm a good neighbor, I want you to be saved. If I didn't care for you, if I didn't love you, I'd just let you die in your burning house. And so this is, uh, this is the, 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 the church is compromised. You know, when Moses was on the mountain, Aaron was down there compromising with the people, and Moses comes down after God says, these people have corrupted themselves, so I'm going to take them out. And he sees people, you know, dancing in a naked delirium around a golden calf. He melts down the calf, makes them drink it, and the Levites take those people out outside the camp, and, and they kill 3,000. The whole scene turned into a massacre. He killed 3,000. And then he said, oh, God, I don't know who you are. Show me who you are. I watched you with a pharaoh. Uh, you know, plague after plague, and he wouldn't bend his knee, but I also watched you with the breath of your nostrils, part of sea and birth a nation. And so he contended for the people. He said, don't leave us, because without you, we'll just die out here. So are you going to save us, or are you going to redeem us? And God called Moses back up at the mountain. He hit him at the cleft of the rock. He covered his eyes with his hand, and, and he had a greater insight. He had a greater revelation of who Jesus is. And, and he said, I'm, as he passed by him, he said, I'm a God of long suffering and mercy and graciousness, even to the saving of thousands. And I believe Moses saw the incarnate son of the living God yet to be born as a man. And he came out of that cloud and he said, oh, now I know who you are. And he went down and he recovenanted with the people and he led them out of that place. And God relented from taking all those people out. And so this is where we are. We need a fresh revelation. We need to know that when, even if we walk with God for 40 years since he sent in the camp, there's a place we can run to. There's a cleft in the rock that we can hide in. And 1 Corinthians tells us that cleft, that rock is Christ. I want to play a quick clip for you, President Trump, and then just talk about the event and for people that can't get out to D.C., how they can participate. This is President Trump at a presser probably a few months ago, sir. If they don't do it, I will override the governors. In America, we need more prayer, not less. Thank you very much. Thank you. I just remember that clip and thought it was so powerful because, as I said before, you see a lot of these govern governors shutting down churches and whatnot. Um, there's even been some revival play things that took place in Minneapolis trying to get shut down. I'm like, hey, we need more prayer, not less. So what can people do to participate Friday and Saturday with the return if they can't get out to D.C.? Well, I'll just say this about the president. I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful that he's standing in the gap. And, and I, I think at times he's wondering where are the faith leaders? You know, some. Uh, I, I'm not interested in going to the White House for a photo op. I, I'm interested in going and praying and seeking. You know, standing with the president who's standing for religious freedom. He's standing with the church, and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I just. Uh, well, first of all, I'll answer the question. I'm sorry, I'm a preacher. I get excited, so I, I go off. But uh, people can go to thereturn.org. If you're, if you're in D.C. and you want to come, I, I think you're going to experience a move of God we've never seen. At least that's what we're praying for. But if you go to thereturn.org, you can become a simulcast partner. 
And we have over 30,000 churches in America that are simulcasting. Uh, there are nearly 100,000 around the, the world. And you can click on a button on the global map and it will show you all the churches in your area. And you'll see the name of the church, the pastor, the email, the phone number, and you can go to that church and join in with their simulcast. We have over 150 cities across America that are holding citywide return events. So all of that's on 10days.net, 1010days.net. So you can see where all of these churches are coming together to consecrate and stand with uh, uh, the, the critical message of the return, which is repentance, reconciliation, restoration, then comes revival and then finally Reformation. So go to thereturn.org, learn all you need to know. It's all there on the website. Great. You can even watch it on the website. Yeah, I'm excited to check it out. Sounds like a fantastic day and be in prayer for our nation and uh, to heal our land. Reverend Kevin Jessup, co-chair of the uh, National Day of Global Prayer and Repentance. So uh, check out thereturn.org. Thank you, sir. We really, really appreciate the time. Thank you. It's such an honor to be with you. And thank you for your show. Thank you for your listeners. May God bless all of them. And I really appreciate this opportunity to be with you today. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for that. Again, we want to go back out to President Trump. He's live in Jacksonville, Florida. I want to play that for you because, look, guys, let's be in prayer for these next up until election past that, that this nation can come back together and heal. But here's President Trump. We're going to listen in for a moment, take a short break. We'll be back with more President Trump after that break.